Good morning. Welcome to session number two, Parenting with Limits. Before we actually talk about Parenting with Limits, we just want to review quickly what we covered last evening. Uh, all discipline in your child should always be built on the foundation of love. Love expressed in acceptance, appreciation, affection, availability, accountability, and authority. The verse I want to begin with this morning is from Hebrews 12:5 through 6. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. This is a model for discipline in our lives and in the lives of our children. But understand, God's discipline is perfect. He knows exactly what we need. So we as imperfect parents have to take the principles and truths of his word and apply them to the best of our ability and knowledge. We must patiently understand our kids and uh, just what they need uh, and how we may best uh, raise them and uh, train them up to uh, know Christ and to serve him. I want to begin first with a, a background uh, of, of just understanding what we're dealing with. Here's a picture of a little girl. I, I want you to just think in your minds briefly what comes into your thoughts as you look at this picture. Most of us would say she's beautiful, she looks innocent, she's just the sweetest thing you've ever seen. But understand also when you look at this child that she is through and through a sinner. She is 100% operating in the flesh, not by the Spirit, because she does not yet know Christ, most likely. So anyway, uh, this truth comes from the teachings of David, uh, Psalm 51.5. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Uh, we see there was no time in David's life that he was without sin. Uh, Ephesians shows us the depth and the awfulness of what the sin uh, in our lives does, how it manis manifests itself through the flesh. We are in bondage to it, uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says. Uh, in the latter part of that verse, uh, uh, it says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were dead. We walked in darkness. We were following Satan, disobedient, and fleshly. That's the state of every child at birth. Understand as well that this... Uh, Teaching is supported throughout Scripture. We see uh, it spoken of in, in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every child, every baby, every adult on the planet uh, was born in sin and continues to battle sin and, and the flesh through the course of life. Our job as parents is to direct them more and more to a spirit-filled, word-directed life. Understanding this is not about behavior. We can do right, but if God doesn't get the glory and honor out of it, it's still sin. When it comes to disciplining our children, we need to understand and know the objective, the goal for it. And so we go back to Hebrews 12, 10 through 11. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is the goal of all discipline, 
It's not to control behavior so much. Behavior must be derived from and driven by our spirit-controlled life from the Word of God. Uh, obviously, before children come to Christ, and we'll talk about this more, we need to have loving limits set for their lives so that they can begin to grow and understand that there are uh, there is an authority over them and accountability in their lives. So it's not about controlling their appearance uh, or their behavior. Oftentimes we do this to satisfy our sinful needs. We want to be the perfect parent. Uh, we want to uh, get our children to behave in a way that feeds our comfort. So understand that up front. We're looking for the fruit of righteousness in the dis disciplined child's life. Eli's sons were examples of what happens when children don't grow up with faith or ever come under the work of the Spirit in their lives. In Ezekiel, or excuse me, in 1 Samuel 2, 12 through 17, uh, you can read about uh, God's uh, uh, revelation of who they are. They were worthless men because they did not know God. Uh, later on in that same passage, it talks that uh, uh, their sin of these young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. They even went so far, uh, driven by their fleshly lust, to sleep with the women who served at the entrance of the temple. Uh, this is where uh, many people end up without faith and uh, without the Spirit working in them, uh, bringing the Word to uh, bear in their lives. Let's turn for a moment to Proverbs 22.6, one of the most common uh, passages uh, people look to for parenting. Train up your child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Discipline your son, Proverbs 29, 17 says, and he will give you rest. He will give you delight to your hearts. These are general teachings from Proverbs. They instruct us to train up our child not in the way that they would go, but in the way that they should go. Uh, once they have uh, the knowledge of God through the Spirit and through the Word, uh, they should find more and more uh, a desire to walk in the way they should go. Continue to reinforce uh, these truths in your children's lives. Our hope uh, always is that our children would come to faith in Jesus Christ. They would understand that they're sinful, uh, that the only solution to that uh, problem in their life is the gospel. Uh, if they make a decision early in life, continue to revisit that with them from time to time. Make sure they understand the awfulness of sin and that they understand as well the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God that came through Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to lead our children in love and grace toward uh, repentance when they sin and do wrong. So with all that in, in mind, let's talk about the fact, first, it's our responsibility to train up our children. But understand as well that uh, they ultimately and finally will come to a place where they have to decide for themselves if they will uh, act on, believe, uh, trust the teachings of the scriptures and place their life uh, into the hands of Jesus Christ. So that is uh, uh, the goal uh, where we hope to see them go. The way here is a word that's uh, uh, a little bit uh, hard to understand in some ways. It, it could refer to God's law. Uh, God has laid out the path for us and, and laid out in his law the, the uh, teachings of his character, his person. Uh, it shows us the places where we sin and fall short. And it shows us just honestly and blatantly we cannot keep the law. 
And so uh, the way should bring a child to that understanding that God is a righteous, just, holy God, uh, that uh, uh, we fall short of that mark in our own lives, uh, as we've seen in David's comments and in others. And the reality is as well that we can never keep the law, thus we can never be saved. The law was limited in what it could do. It revealed God to us. It revealed our need uh, for salvation through faith, grace, mercy, and uh, it provided us and pointed us to the way that we need to go. Understanding these things obviously needs to be taught to our kids at age-appropriate levels. Uh, the way here also kind of draws into the picture the, the uniqueness of your child. Every child is unique, and, and these truths need to be applied to their lives in a way that uh, is fitting for their personality, their, uh, their demeanor, just how God has created them. So I think the way means sort of both, that we want to... Uh, direct them in the way of the Lord, but also in, in a way that uh, uh, touches, uh, encourages, strengthens uh, their unique bit as a, a created being of God. So with all that in mind, uh, we also want to say this is a proverb. Uh, some people are uh, fearful of this teaching because it seems to not allow for exceptions to it. So I want to remind you this is a proverb, not a promise. These are general truths in the scripture. Most often, they work out to the end uh, at which they say, but it is not an ironclad guarantee promising that your child, if you do your job as a faithful parent, uh, that your child will uh, come to Christ and uh, walk in uh, holiness and righteousness before him. I want to move on and show you a slide that maybe can uh, make uh, a sense of some of this uh, work of parroting and, and uh, utilizing the word in the spirit. On the screen you'll see uh, a slide entitled Word-Spirit Control. At the bottom you see parental control. Uh, the idea of this slide is to help us understand that when our children are young we are strongly in control of their behavior, their lives, directing them, protecting them, guiding them as best we can. But as that child grows up and as uh, they come to faith, and as they begin to understand the scriptures and uh, trust the Word of God and the Spirit of God to direct their steps, we can release more and more of the control over their lives to themselves so that they can learn more and more to come under the teaching of the Word as uh, taught to them by the Spirit. So as they increasingly uh, yield to the work of the Spirit uh, and come up uh, with the fruit of the Spirit, other dimensions of, of faith, that as we see evidence of that, we can release uh, our children more and more to that work. Understand as well that uh, one day we will release our children. Uh, they always need discipline. It uh, is our discipline while they're in our home under our authority, but eventually we will release them to their own lives, their own homes, and we want them to fall and walk then under uh, the authority of God according to the Word and His Spirit. So that's in the background of all this as you look at your children. One day you have to release them and uh, allow them to uh, grow in their own uh, faith relationship with the Father. Remember this begins, or we need to just kind of uh, inform you that this begins the, the moment of birth. And the first battle you're going to have as a parent is, is with this whole issue of sleep. Uh, I was talking with uh, one of the folks in our church and, and how he and his wife were struggling with their newborn who uh, wasn't sleeping through the night. But this is a battle you must win. You cannot allow a child to uh, control bedtime or staying in bed. And uh, uh, this is hard. It's painful. Uh, but you must uh, 
make sure they're safe, they're fed, uh, and they're, uh, they have dry diapers and put them in bed and leave them there so that they learn to sleep uh, through the night under your direction. You're the parent, you put them to bed, remember that. <laughs> they don't put themselves to bed. But uh, if they are able to manipulate you by wanting drinks, by waking up, by crying, uh, uh, eventually uh, they will uh, be in control uh, with manipulating behaviors in your relationship with them. I have a friend who leads a small group and uh, they had a young couple come to them. Most of the group members were uh, uh, a bit older. They had teens and, and older children and this young couple came. They had a newborn and uh, the young man asked uh, the leader of the group, he says, so we have a newborn infant and she won't sleep at night. What should I do? And uh, Randy said to him, uh, this is what we do. Uh, we would put our child uh, in their crib, make sure they're well-fed and dried and safe, and then go in the other room and turn up the TV if they cry. So the young man pondered that for a bit, and the meeting went on a bit, and so he grabbed another one of the members, and he says, So uh, what do I do to keep my child from crying at night? And he said, Well, you put them in their crib, you make sure they're well-fed, you make sure they're safe, you make sure they're dry, and then you go in the other room and you turn up the TV. The child has to learn that when he's in that crib, he must go to sleep. Uh, another place uh, that's a major battle early on is what we feed our children. We must uh, teach, instruct, guide these children to eat a balanced nutritional diet. Uh, you cannot allow them to control what they eat or they will only eat things that are pleasing to them, to their flesh, uh, and they will not get a balanced nutritious diet. These are huge issues early in life to make sure your kids are uh, uh, coming under your authority and your leadership in their homes. I want to move on and just touch one other thing before we get a, a bit more specific. In Philippians 2, 1 through 4, we see this truth stated. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. And this is the part I want us to, to drill down on. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Uh, the, the child in your home is born with total 100% 100% self-interest. And growth and maturity over time uh, will lead him to this place where he is concerned for others. He's looking out for their interests, not just his own. Uh, so... Uh, I put a chart up on the screen I want you to take a look at. I call this the maturity continuum. And, and it just shows the process of growth away from 100% fleshly desires to 100% word and spirit control desires. And, and this is the process of going from total self-centeredness to 100% other-centeredness. If you look at the bottom line, you'll see an infant is 100% fleshly, self-focused, self-desires being met. Jesus, on the other hand, was 100% other-focused. Uh, what I believe Philippians teaches us is that the process and the growth toward maturity is, is growing more and more to have concerns over others. The maturing believer will grow to somewhere in the middle of that chart, hopefully more and more toward Jesus over time. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly where any of us are at on that chart, but I do believe this is an accurate depiction of what spiritual growth should bring to our lives. Down underneath, you see a little statement about the age of accountability. Scripture does give us insight into the fact that uh, there is an age of accountability, I believe. Uh, uh, we see that in the Scripture some, and uh, we want to talk about that a bit later. 
The first major concern we have is that we teach our children to obey us. Uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. But we're just going to deal with that part of it for now. So to begin with, we need to understand uh, God has given us children. Uh, we know more than they know, so they need to come under our leadership, our guidance, and in our instruction, and they need to obey us for their own protection as well as for their own growth uh, in these things. So we're training, we're guiding uh, all of this to bring protection and discipline as they grow into godly adults. This requires authority. We are God's authority. We are God's agent in their lives to bring in an understanding of uh, how to obey and place themselves under authority. If they don't learn this lesson, life's going to be very, very difficult for them. Uh, and honor and respect are tied together here. Uh, and this, this uh, promise is, is that they would have a, a, a God-honoring life. These are both commands uh, that they would continually obey and honor. The idea here of, of uh, obeying is to hear under. It's to submit, to subordinate themselves to uh, the authority. Uh, it's not a suggestion uh, to be followed. It is a command to be obeyed. It's what's right. Understand obedience means without challenge. It means also without excuse. And it means without delay. This is incredibly important. If a child delays his obedience, you're no longer in control. He is. When they obey in their own time, they are in control, and you, the parent, are not. Maturity, let me say this again, maturity is demonstrated by doing the right thing at the right time. Put a lot of parental effort into building prompt obedience in the early years of your child, and I believe God will bless your home with children that respect you and obey you as you move into the preteen years. Be firm. But uh, overwhelm them with love, but also uh, be firm, work hard to establish these habits earlier rather than later. Let's move on to the issue of respect. Uh, we see here in Proverbs uh, thirty seventeen, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Exodus twenty twelve, honor your father and mother. That, the day, that your days may be long in the land <clears throat> that the Lord your God is giving you. This is a, a, the second main thing you need to teach your child. Along with obedience, they need to respect you. To honor means to, uh, to respect, to love, to care for a parent. Uh, and obviously an infant can't do that yet, but this is what you're parenting and shepherding them toward. Uh, Solomon's words are powerful here. An uh, awful picture of what happens to a disrespectful child. So uh, cultivate, uh, train, teach genuine honor in your kids so that they will demonstrate respectful attitudes, a respectful appearance on their face, and the words that come out of their mouths. Uh, statements like, give me a break, isn't, an isn't a statement that literally uh, respects or honors a parent. So watch their words. On the next... Uh, chart on the screen is um, just a summary of uh, some of the teachings directed toward children throughout the scripture. You'll see there the four major categories of scripture, the law, the, the proverbs, the teachings of Jesus, and the epistles. Over under the do list is where I want you to look, and I want you to see the main things that the Bible teaches children should be concerned with doing. It says honor and respect them in regard to their parents. 
obey them uh, in Solomon, listen to them. That is a, uh, an act of respect and obedience. Jesus said, honor and provide for them. Honor them, honor them. And Paul in the epistles, obey them, honor them. These are the biggies. These are so, so very important for you to teach and train your children in. I'm going to add a second one. I'm not God, and, and I just, but living in the culture in which we live, I, I put truthfulness up almost as close to obedience and respect as, as we could possibly make it, not finding it in that way in the scripture. Because we live in a, in a culture that has uh, abandoned absolute truth, we live in a relativistic society. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Uh, you believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. And, and our children are going to grow up in that culture. We need to train them and help them understand that there is biblical truth, uh, that God's truth is absolute, uh, that God's word can be absolutely obeyed, trusted, and lived out in our lives. Truth matters to God, and it must matter to us. Teach our kids that the, the word of God is true. Uh, and that without truth, we have very little basis for any certainty in life. Understand uh, God through truth. Understand themselves through truth. And understand their spiritual future as well through the scripture, which is truth. Jesus said that uh, knowing truth uh, has great benefit in our lives. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will free you. Make them holy, consecrated, and the truth. Your words is consecrating truth. Just the idea that truth coming into and under the tutelage of God's truth frees us to live in the fullness and the abundance life wants, God wants us to live. We have to accept it. We have to obey it. We have to regard it above all other earth, earthly opinions. And then we will be able uh, and empowered to freely do uh, the, the will of God. Understand, and I want to go back to the, the kind of the triangle chart for a moment. Children grow in faith and then in obedience, respect, and truthfulness. So, uh, again, these are truths that must be taught after they uh, come under the influence and the teaching of Scripture. You can teach the truths of Scripture, but they won't be able to completely and fully obey it on their own until they're spirit-empowered and directed by the Word of God. Uh, remember, our kids will make mistakes, they will fail, they will stumble, just as we do. And, and I think it's great for us as parents to confess to them our failures, uh, seek their forgiveness when we uh, parent out of anger or uh, we don't parent in a properly way, uh, help them understand and walk through this whole process of growing in uh, obedience to God, understanding they will fail. Uh, the reason uh, in seeing in, in the fact that they fail is the reason why we need Jesus. Always in our failures, we need to point them to the gospel and to Jesus and to the forgiveness of sins through him. So uh, bear that in mind as well as this truth that one day they will grow up and leave home. And they will be disciplined by the Father. Uh, if they're looking to him, we trust they will be through your word, uh, through his word and, and through uh, the work of the Spirit in them. I want to talk a moment about love and limits or grace and truth. <clears throat> and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. God in his great mercy and love for us has given us two great um, um, revelations of himself. The first is the law, which he gave through Moses. And the, the law, uh, as I've said earlier, displays to us 
the character of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. In the law, we see a reflection of who God is. But the law was also given to us to regulate our behavior, to guide us in a way of righteousness or holiness. And that's all the law could do was lead us in that path. And God delayed giving the, uh, bringing Jesus into the world for a, a long, long period of time to teach Israel and us through Israel that we can't save ourselves by keeping the law. Israel failed over and over and over again to be able to keep the law. And then God brought Jesus. He brought him and he came and he lived and he perfectly obeyed God in every way. And then he died to pay the penalty for our sin. He took your sin, my sin, every child's sin to the cross and he died in our place. Remember that he said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So understand, we live under the reality of grace and truth. The law gives us the limits, the truth, and the gospel gives us grace and love. Uh, Understand, and I just want to drive this home to you again, as as the law was given uh, to Israel in Exodus, three times they've said to God, we will do everything you said. Exodus 19.8 says uh, that the Lord has spoken, we will do all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Later on, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do in Exodus 24.3. And then in Exodus 24.7, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. While we're working with our young children, we want to establish grace and truth or love and limits in their lives. Uh, These are guidelines and limits based on God's law to show our children what is wrong and right in terms of their behavior and attitudes. We don't want to parent to the attitude or the behavior. What we want to do is parent to the heart. But uh, early on, they need to have some guidelines, some limits. So we've put a couple of charts in your handouts, tables that give different uh, ways to love your child and different ways to uh, impose or put into place under your authority the limits of life based on their age from infants to waddlers to teenagers. So take a look at those as you uh, do our adult exercise at the end. You can uh, think through that in regard to your children, remembering that when they fail to keep the limit, uh, you have some choices in regard to pointing them to Christ. So now we want to turn into how how do we actually apply all that we've been talking about? Uh, How do we practice disciplining our kids? Uh, We read together uh, in Proverbs 13.24, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline. Also, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Parental love uh, brings us to the place where we discipline our children because we love them. The idea here, and these are very powerful verbs, hate and love, They stress the point of of really caring for the future of our children, doing all we can as parents to train them up in a way that they will honor the Lord as they grow. And it says here, in fact, if you don't discipline, uh, you uh, are demonstrating to your child that you hate him. The idea here is you reject him, you you, uh, bring on his life through your failure, your neglect, your negligence to discipline him right. You bring on long-term disaster to his life, an undisciplined life, a, a godless life. So this is why these truths we're about to share are so important. It's folly not to bring discipline 
to your child. Uh, folly is bound up in the heart. Uh, and understand that folly is flesh-driven, not spirit or word-driven. Uh, and remember, honor and obey. So I want to talk first about this idea of uh, um, disciplining. Uh, first thing I want to say, and say this as strongly as I can, we never, ever, ever discipline out of anger. Uh, discipline is about always thinking what is best for my child, not what is venting and making me feel better, not bringing control or, or something to my life that makes me uh, more comfortable, more satisfied, because my kids behave in the way I want them to. So the idea here is always to think about what is best for our child and uh, bringing them to an understanding uh, of the gospel. Every opportunity of disobedience in your child's life is an opportunity to reacquaint them with the truths of the gospel, to point them to Jesus through helping them understand and own their sinfulness, uh, confess that, repent of it, uh, and understand that Jesus, God has sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin. So with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about addressing the heart of discipline. Uh, it's not about behavior. We've said that. Uh, behavior uh, will never change the heart if we discipline the behavior. We want to discipline the heart and help a child, as a result of heart change, uh, bring his discipline, or excuse me, bring his uh, behavior into conformity with uh, the Scripture and, and with God's will and purpose for his life. The way we do this, and, and I draw some of this from Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding Your Child's Heart, is to uh, really talk with your child when you have issues of disobedience. Ask questions that get to what's going on in their heart. Remember that uh, Luke 6:45 tells us, the overflow of the heart, the overflow of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart, Luke 6:45. What your child says to you will tell you what's going on in their heart. Some questions uh, Ted Tripp suggests we use are these. Uh, number one, what were you feeling when you hit your sister? Number two, what did your sister do to make you mad? Number three, help me understand how hitting her seemed to make things better. What was the problem? Question four, what was the problem with what she was doing to you? Number five, in what other ways could you have responded? Number six, how do you think your response reflected trust or lack of trust in God's ability to care for you and protect you. The idea here is, is to get them to begin to think through the internal struggle in their life with sin and, and to uh, understand the nature of temptation and possible responses to it that are different than just striking out or, or saying things that hurt others and to motivate a more godly response. So we're looking for sin so that we can help the child uh, react uh, through their heart to not sinning. Uh, we provided an additional handout that should be downloadable uh, if uh, uh, you weren't able to be with us for all these sessions, but uh, it's called Pride and Rebellion in, in a Childhood. It's a list of ways that children can sin uh, against others. Uh, help might, might be helpful uh, for you to go over this with them, explain it to them in a way that's age appropriate so that they can understand that their behaviors are sinful uh, they are uh, the result of unbelief, bad attitudes, uh, bad behavior, leading to a process of being able to confess that sin to God. That's so important. Uh, 
Seek forgiveness from him for it. Seek forgiveness from sister or brother if they've done something to hurt them. And then seek to be reconciled with uh, the fellow sibling or with you. Uh, This is the process always in shepherding their heart. Recognize the sin, confess it, seek forgiveness for it, be reconciled. And then uh, if if it's appropriate, uh, uh, there may be consequences that are a result of this. Understand as well, when they go through this process, point them to the truth that God has forgiven them when they confess their sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Help your kids know once they confess, they're purified before God again. And, and there's no guilt associated with that. Do not allow the enemy to use guilt for poor behavior to to haunt your children. The scripture says there's a, a sorrow that comes from the world that leads to death in 2 Corinthians 7.10. There is a godly guilt or godly sorrow that comes from God that leads to repentance, and then there's a worldly sorrow or guilt that leads to death. Uh, The worldly guilt, once your child has confessed their sin, they're clean before God. And so continually remind them of that. Love them, hug them if they go through this process. Affirm them for being obedient to God. On the back of that sheet are some common fears. Sometimes fear underlies bad behavior. So you can work through that list of fears and see if any of those may be going on in your kids' lives that uh, are at the background or are behind this whole uh, uh, disobedient behavior that's going on. So discipline is is to be brought uh, into the child's life to affirm and, and point them to the teachings of Scripture Uh, help them understand why the discipline is being administered so that they can uh, come to understand what's proper, what's not proper, uh, and that they can confess that. They can be forgiven for that. They can be uh, uh, reconciled to whoever that sin might have impacted uh, in their their little uh, family, in their home. Sometimes that doesn't always... uh, do the job. Sometimes we need to discipline our child more strongly by spanking. Uh, uh, again, these are some steps or some principles to bear in mind if uh, honoring and disobeying are uh, not uh, being corrected through this uh, earlier approach. You can't bring them to repentance. Then you may need to discipline in this way. Again, from Ted Tripp, he suspect or he. Uh, Uh, suggests we never ever discipline in anger. We be very consistent and persistent to transform our child through this kind of discipline. Uh, It must be felt to be effective. You can't allow your your child to wear six pairs of pants before the spanking comes. Be sure that uh, you have a a process uh, in your home for appealing. As long as your child understands uh, that they can appeal Uh, your decision to spank if they do it in a respectful manner, if they're willing to accept the results of the appeal, and if they're prepared to obey no matter what, and lastly, if they obey immediately. Uh, Here's uh, some steps in how to spank uh, in an appropriate way. Always do it privately, never in front of others. Uh, Be very calm and be very loving when you do it. Clarify why the spanking is being administered. Be sure your child acknowledges what he's done. Number four, remind that the spanking is not venting your anger. 
Tell the child beforehand how many swats they may receive, and it may differ depending on your child. You may have a very sensitive child and, and a very hardened child. They're just different. Uh, bare bottoms are appropriate unless the child is older, uh, in which case it should just be underwear. When you're finished with that, hold and hug and love your child uh, and tell them that they're forgiven, that you love them. Restore them to the relationship so that they feel just the power of being forgiveness, forgiven. Help them remember that they're forgiven before God as well. Jesus loves them. Uh, we all do bad and sinful things, and we need Jesus to forgive us and show us his mercy and grace through the cross. So continue to use these opportunities and times to uh, review the gospel with your kids, lead your children to trust in Jesus. Uh, and uh, I want to encourage you to occasionally, uh, if they seem uh, repentant before you have to spank, if, if the threat of the spanking brings them to a place where they're broken, uh, you might show mercy. And to their surprise, choose very, very rarely and occasionally to withhold the spanking. Uh, another powerful way to parent your child, if, if there's some kind of consequence involved and, and they're very uh, uh, repentant about what they've done, is that you suffer uh, the penalty for them if, if there's something that would be uh, consequential to what they've done. These can be great examples of Jesus in their lives. Jesus shows us mercy. Jesus took and paid the penalty for us. I want to talk a moment before we wrap up about consequences. Uh, understand that some of the behaviors of your children uh, lead to resulting consequences. And we need to teach and allow our children to suffer those consequences when it's appropriate. Never confusing the suffering of consequences with the gospel and, and the need for confession, forgiveness, and repentance. But consequences are the result of, of our sinfulness. Remember in the garden, the woman said to the servant, we may not eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in your midst of the garden. See, consequences came to Adam and Eve as a result of their sin. And uh, they, uh, horrible consequences that we suffer today individually. God punished them for their sin because of what they did. So consequences is a very powerful tool to teach accountability and responsibility in their lives. So uh, use those as you're able and as is appropriate. But always remember that your uh, child needs to be taught. They're forgiven. Remind them that we all sin. We all need forgiveness. Uh, and again, uh, fortify the idea that uh, once they've sought forgiveness from God, they should no longer feel guilty. Uh, any guilt they may feel is not from God. It's from the enemy. Okay, take the next 30 minutes to discuss the di discipline of your child. Uh, you have the charts in, uh, in this uh, presentation in your handout. Evaluate it, uh, what you're doing in your home now and, and what you've learned in this um, session. Hopefully you'll find some things that may help you uh, raise, train, discipline your child. Uh, work as well on two action steps during this time that you'd like to put into place to improve or help you with the discipline of your kids. So enjoy your time together.